Give us some men who know the truth. And who will declare the truth. And who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards. And who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I'm serious. children today is going to be a day and lou's gonna vouch for this because normally on an episode episode like this is important i've got like my water maybe a cup of coffee i got a tablet and that's the end of it right right i got the tablet i got the laptop going i'm twisting around because we have that much stuff to go over i was like man you're done getting techie on me over here we have much to do and less time to do it in so we are here today to tell you that the way you think about things truly does matter in the world, okay? I know you know that, but you know, we, we need to be reminded because I have, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stories. Seven. Wow. Six of them directly relate to one topic. One relates to a different topic that is related. 
if that makes any sense. Okay, I guess we'll have to figure this out All if right, we go then. This will make sense. I am I am decreeing and declaring that this will make sense. <laughs> all right, so let's start with an anchor, all right? All right. Simple and basic. First Peter 1. Now, you know First Peter. If you don't read First Peter, it will do you immense good. good Peter stuff. talking to a church facing persecution, talking to a church facing all sorts of manner of difficulty, and encourages them on how to live based on chapter one. So remember, all the practical stuff of two of really three, four, and five is built on the reality of how you live as a Christian in chapter two, which is built on the reality of who you are as a Christian in chapter one. So when you read First Peter, right, make sure you read it in order. You know, don't don't read the book backwards if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. No, no Leonardo da Vinciing this thing and trying to read it backwards. Always remember the great rules of life. If you take Led Zeppelin albums and you play them backwards, you'll really mess up your needle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you were going somewhere else with that, but okay. Just remember that when people say, if you take Elvis albums and you play them backwards, the devil will tell you. No, all you're going to do is mess up your record player, okay? Yep, and if you sure. try to do that backwards on your CD player, you're really going to mess something up. And if you try to get your phone to play the songs backwards, I think you open up an interdimensional portal or something like that. So, oh, all right, the Elsabub so, will be right there. Yeah, so don't go there. Don't do that. All right? So <laughs> Bad idea. First Peter reminds you that you are a Christian, that this is the hope, and that salvation is the basis for everything else. And that's where we're starting in verse 10. As to this salvation... The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Now, the, we're not going to exegete this whole thing. We, we'd spend the rest of the time and we'd die there. So, Right. Real quick, though, notice what Peter has just said. All of the prophets are pointing to Christ. Right. Their hope was to figure out how their prophecies would be fulfilled in the Messiah how the final coming one would fulfill all of these things that they are saying. So in other words, the prophets are prophesying, which is what prophets are supposed to do, with an eye towards the work of God. That's important. You should always remember that. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which, have, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So what was the prophet doing? Not figuring it out himself, but recording his prophecy so that you would know and understand that when the Christ had appeared, you would be able to see, be able to understand, be able to have that confirmation so that your trust would rightly be placed in him. Yes. That was the work of the Holy Spirit, which was the work of the mission dedicated from heaven, which was the thing all of the angels since the beginning of time, and they're like, when is it, and how is it, and there we go. So Christ again culmination of not some of the things culmination of all of the things so stipulated so stipulated all right yeah therefore so because all of that is true prepare your minds for action keep sober in spirit fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of jesus christ as obedient children do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance but like the holy ones who called you be holy yourselves also in your behavior because it is written you shall be holy for i am holy now that's a leviticus quote you know it's a good day when you get a leviticus quote right right for sure why is peter giving you that because Peter wants to beat you over the head with some legalistic requirements. No. 
because Peter is speaking to a redeemed people, a redeemed people seeking to honor the sacrifice that Christ has made on their behalf, seeking to understand how in their redeemed state they live in the now not yet of salvation in a sinful world. Right. He was calling them to separate themselves from the sinful world. And and the starting of that is to separate where first? Your mind. How you think about these things, how you deal with the world. I threatened you a few weeks ago that there was going to be a pop quiz. Oh, boy. Today's that Today is that pop quiz, all right? right. But this is where that foundation is. This is your echoes of Romans 12, right? Okay. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's your Romans 12 and your Hebrews 12 smooshed together. Hebrews 12, okay. You know, keeping your eyes fixed on Christ, the author and perfecter of faith is Hebrews 12, Romans 12. Um, oh, shoot. D- discerning the will of God, you being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> excuse me. This is not a new idea for Scripture. Right. This is not Peter coming up with something weird. This is him saying, because you have been transformed by the Holy Spirit in the inner man. You should then be aligning your thoughts with the desires of your heart, which are now aligned with the desires of God. Therefore, as you renew your mind continually and think on these things, you should be thinking in the world Christianly, evaluating the things of the world, sober in mind. That that does not mean always and only not in drunkenness, by the way. Sober in mind, in seriousness, carefully evaluating understanding, being analytically minded about the world. What is what would you say about the person who just accepts everything that comes along? Ah, they're they're a follower, not a leader for one, but they're not they're they're lazy, intellectually lazy and dishonest in, and, in oftentimes. And all the all the allegories that you would use to describe them mm-hmm. that are used from scripture. So you're like ships tossed to and fro, like reeds blown in the wind. Yeah, very well stated. I mean, that's exactly what happens to you. You don't have a rudder. You don't even have a foundation. I mean, there's just nothing. You get blown to and fro. Let's come back to the sober argument. Like a drunk leaving the bar. Staggering along with no path in mind and no way of accomplishing it. That's the importance of the sober and spirit argument, Mm. is that you should have a clarity of mind, anchored in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, headed towards this final kingdom of God. And because you have those things, you are able to think through and evaluate the things of this world. Mm. That's what Peter is building on. That's why he then says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, because you know them, you see them, you recognize them for what they are, you reject them, war against them, kill them, kill them with fire, like we always say, which were yours in ignorance. Right. See, those lusts were the lusts of an ignorant Person. He says that of himself because he persecuted the church, the church in ignorance, and that's hard to understand. Well, that's Paul. We're on Peter. Oh, we're on Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, but his contemporary. Point, yeah. Yes, no, you're exactly right. <clears throat> Paul says the exact same thing because Paul will tell you there's the difference between the idiotic, ignorant me and the redeemed me who now sees things rightly. Sorry, we were jumping from Romans to. No, no, no. Peter yeah, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I'm with you. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the point still stands because I always like pointing these things out. You know, I'm continuity of scripture guy. Mm-hmm. Anytime you get Paul and Peter saying the same thing, yeah. win. Win, which by the way, that happens a lot, Christian. It happens a lot, okay? <laughs> Just so you For know. Certain. So because you are not conformed, because you're not ignorant, but like the holy ones who called you, keep in mind who that is. That is God. That is the Father. That is the Son. That is the Holy Spirit. Your goal is to do what? To ascribe to be like them. I want to grow up to be like dad. I want to grow up to be like my father who is in heaven. Who, Because of the sacrifice of the son, because of the empowering of the spirit, I know I will get there as I follow. 
So holy yourselves also in your behavior because it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Now, you know all this. I know you know all this. Right. But <clears throat> let's rewind a little bit because I had this story from before Christmas and you mentioned it last, was it last week? Yes. My time has completely run together. Right, right. We, <clears throat> we, we did an audible last week and did something different. Yes. So we had this lined up before Christmas. Oh, you're talking about Stonebridge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had this lined up before Christmas, and I put it off after Christmas because it wasn't quite as relevant. But I had this pop quiz planned, and I think the more I thought about it, the more I realized that this story is very relevant to this pop quiz that I have okay. because it forms the foundation. So, you ready for this, Christian? Okay. We're going to run through these stories, and I'm just going to give you the headlines real quick. And then we're going to go into them in a little bit more detail, and I want you to tell me what they all have in common, Okay. So I don't have the headline for this story, but Stonebridge Christian Church in eastern Nebraska is known locally for hosting a big annual fireworks event, uh, which this fall included 15 food trucks, portable fire pits for making s'mores. But it's the Christmas season that is our Super Bowl, said the church's executive pastor, Mitch Chitwood. This year, the church's four locations in the Omaha area will host four Jingle Jam family parties in December and nine services on Christmas Eve, complete with classic carols, Christmas-themed coffee drinks, and a festive photo booth in the lobby. Whoa. They went all out. Dude! Yeah. <clears throat> Is this a church or a shopping mall? I'm just curious. Uh, it sounds a lot like a mall to me, but... <laughs> What they will not have is church on Sunday, December 25th. On Christmas Day, Stonebridge will offer a simple community breakfast, but no religious services. Can't be bothered with that sort of thing. We still believe in the Sunday morning experience, but we have to meet people where they are, Chitwood said. And where they are on Christmas Day is usually at home, in their pajamas. This year, church leaders are grappling with what may seem like an odd dilemma. Christmas Day falls on a Sunday for the first time since 2016, and that's a problem. Now, I'm going to pause right there. Okay. We're going to come back to this because I'm now riled up about it and angry. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> okay. The juices are flowing, man. Yeah. <clears throat> so we're going to come back to that. But first, you're, I want to read you these headlines. And okay. if one of them just like tickles your fancy, we'll read a little bit about it. Okay. Okay. Lutheran Church offers drag queen prayer time to children. New insurance data reveals shocking number of minors obtained transgender surgeries. Analysis, political rhetoric, false claims obscure the history of drag performance. <laughs> you know, the great enlightened history. Yeah. Oh, why can't I get the title of this one? Okay, where'd it go? Russia to ban sharing LGBT propaganda with adults as well as children. Ban it? Yes. Nice. The Russians are going to. How did the commun... Norwegian artist facing criminal charges and potential prison sentence over gender comments. And this one, oh, call with the thing just tried to reload. Jesus could have been transgender, according to University of Cambridge Dean. Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> look, can we look more into that one, too? Unfortunately, I really, that's like the one I can't. Okay. Because it wants me to subscribe to read it. It's from the Telegraph, and they, like, I don't, I don't want to cancel or claim an offer or anything like that. But it's like, don't you love it? Aren't you having so much fun? That is crazy. Yeah, the argument basically. Oh, come on! Why is this thing arguing with me? I've watched, I've read a lot of Michael Brown's stuff on that and ministry to, to 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 the homosexual community, and um, Joe Dallas is another 
book I've I've read one of his books on it because he he came out of homosexuality, and some of the stories that they have in there are very reminiscent to that. As far as uh, I forget the the clergyman that 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 usually swears in and prays for the new president, but he was recently found to be a, a homosexual man, and some of the some of the things and the desires that he had as he looked at a crucifix per se were very concerning. I mean, it was very graphic and it was like, wow, man, I mean, we're going crazy here with this agenda and we're pushing it so hard. It's it everywhere. And I am, I am surprised that a communist country gets it right. We talk, you know, cause they, they banned the distribution of the material, right? Yes. Right. Okay. If I, if I heard that right, that's what we should be doing. We should be banning the distribution of that material to children especially, but... Yeah. Hateful bigot that you are. I know it. <clears throat> okay, hang on. I did find it. Um, it has been reported that some worshipers left a service in tears after a guest speaker at the University of Cambridge's Trinity College Chapel evenings uh, explained to them how Jesus could have been transgender. Oh, my God. Showing the congregation three Renaissance and medieval paintings of Jesus on the cross. Were exegeting Renaissance paintings, right? Including artist Jean Melu Pieta, Heath pointed out a side wound that he proposed looked like a female private part. He is also he also used the 14th century prayer book of Bonn of Luxembourg to defend his point. Ah. <laughs> oh Oh, <laughs> Don't you love it? Yeah. The uh, the dean defended the sermon in a response letter writing, For myself, I think that speculation was legitimate. Whether or not you or I or anyone else disagrees with the interpretation says something else about the artistic tradition or resists its application to contemporary questions around transsexualism. <laughs> A spokesman for the university said the sermon explored the nature of religious art in the spirit of thought-provoking academic inquiry and in keeping with open debate and dialogue at the University of Cambridge. There you go. That's one of the oldest Bible publishing companies, Cambridge's, um, no. in the in the in the world today, and and they've lost their mind. What mind? Now you ready for this? I have no problems with part of this argument. You ready? Okay. Open debate and dialogue. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask a really dumb question, okay? What, pray tell, dear Christian, is the purpose of open debate and dialogue? Well, people can share their ideas and reasons for what they believe, and they can interact with each other at the dialogue, not a monologue. So they can interact with each other's um, ideas and arguments for whatever they believe in. I think that's one of the reasons mm -hmm. for that type of... And the form. end goal of which is what? To come to a conclusion. To come to the knowledge of the truth. Right. I agree. Right. When two different sides... So you've got this dude, and you're ready. I'm going to be cruel, okay? you got this nitwit <laughs> exegeting medieval and Renaissance artistry and saying, look, 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 Jesus could have been trans. And you have Based these... off of the rendition yes. of a sculpture yes. or whatever it was? yes. I, I want to say something, but it would be crude, and I'm, 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 I'm fighting it right now. So based on that, Jesus could have been trans. And then you have these sweet old people, because who else is going to 
Cambridge University's, you know, evening services on art and history. Really? Really. Yeah. Uh, either weird college students or sweet old ladies, right? That's the <laughs> people attending that. And she left crying. Is and what... they're like in tears to the point where they're writing letters, not emails, letters. <laughs> right, right. They're still doing it the old fashioned way. <laughs> to, the, to, nice. the, to the university to be like, what in the world are you people doing? And now here's the thing. One of them is probably right. One of them is probably wrong. There is a distinct possibility that both of them are wrong. But what we do know is not possible is that both of them are not right. At which point, a religious university, a seminary, deans, professors, should be able to put their intellectual heft behind one camp or the other. To say that, well, you know, we wish to encourage people to ask questions. All right, let me let me go ahead and give you the spoiler alert. You ready? Your teachers all lied to you. There is such a thing as a stupid question. Hmm. Okay? There is. Okay. You know it, and I know it. You've asked them. Mm-hmm. I've asked them. Sometimes you asked them on purpose because you wanted to derail the class. Sometimes you asked it unknowing because you were ignorant. <sighs> I'm looking at the wrong thing. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Right. <clears throat> Christian, this is the goal of your living, to look at something in the world and say, that comports with the gospel of Christ, or that does not comport with the gospel of Christ. And that which does not comport is anathema, and I must kill it with fire and make sure that it is not influencing how I live, how I think, and what my goals and hopes for are in this world. Yeah. It's definitely cursed. Now and and forevermore. Yeah, for sure. So, have you figured it out? What do drag shows, transgender surgeries, the history of drag shows, being prosecuted for saying men are men, lying about the theology of medieval artistry, which I can't even believe I'm saying that as a sentence out loud, Mm -hmm. and canceling services on Christmas have in common. I I think it's a picture of our culture. Um, I think some of our churches are trying to meet people where they're like I said, where they're at, which is in total depravity. It is a I'm not trying to throw these loaded words around, but... Load them. Load them. Load them. We're launching the skeet. I was jacked up to 11 on Sunday, and I'm about to get there again. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) See if this is a fair summary. You can add, subtract, agree, disagree, okay? Okay. I think what these stories all have in common, and I better have an opinion on this since I'm the one who's putting them together. Right, right. This is what it looks like. When you have the church, which is supposed to be a Christian culture, mm-hmm. influencing and being influenced by a secular culture, right. and the church never, ever wins that exchange. Right. Never right. has, never will. Right. Fair? No, I think you hit it right on the head, and I think the passage that you chose to read illustrates that towards the end, you know, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Be- holy. He's calling us to be separated. Separated from what? <laughs> That's part of the argument. Right. So, the, oh, shoot. Read Corinthians. It'll do you good. But mm-hmm. it's somewhere in First Corinthians. 
This is Paul's argument to the Corinthian church. He flat out tells them, when I wrote to you not to associate with immoral people, I didn't mean the immoral people outside the church. Because then you wouldn't be able to talk to anybody. <laughs> right, right. I meant the people immoral people mixed up. inside the church. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And this is what happens. Why are we seeing the explosion of the LGBTQIA2S? The yeah. <laughs> the, um, what, who, oh, what, was, what did somebody call him the other day that I thought was very appropriate? There's one radio show that I listened to that a kid you not calls them the Rainbow Jihad. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. And I'm just yes. like, there's something to that. And then somebody else called him the Alphabet Mafia. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I like these. This, I like where this is going. But what, why have you seen the explosion that you have? Because you've seen enough of the Christian culture be washed away by the sands, uh, by the oceans of cultural influence to the point that the foundation is cracked and you no longer have a consistent leg to stand on. Now, I'm not talking about all churches and I'm not talking about all Christians, but enough of what is viewed as Christian has capitulated on so many things in the world that we no longer have any rational ground by which we say no. And until we rebuild some of that ground by having consistent exegetical standards, by having consistent living out of our faith in the cultural world and in the marketplace, we're going to continue to have this problem. Right. Now, are we going to be able to save – I don't even know who this fool is. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Well, my computer's pulling. Let me pull this because I'm cooking it here. Got to turn the heat off before we roast to death. I have the – oh, this – computer of mine does not want to cooperate anymore i'm trying to see if i figure out who this history of drag shows guy is i mean but think about this one lately drag has been dragged through the mud the art form has been cast in a false light in recent months by right-wing activists and politicians who complain about the sexualization or grooming of children opponents often coordinate protests at drag events that feature or cater to children Dude, they're after him. That's a statement. After our children. He's arguing that that's okay. Right. Oh. That you should have drag events that cater to children. That That is nothing. <laughs> I, I mean, I, that is horrible, but uh, I've... Oh, let me see here. I, I mean, I've heard... Okay, here is Charles Schwab. Pedophilia is nature's <laughs> gift to humanity. Oh. Ugh. New York Times. Pedophilia is not a crime. Mm-hmm. CNN. Pedophilia... Pedophiles are not monsters or social deviants. Yes, they are. God, <laughs> woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Oh, that, man, why you got to go bring Isaiah into this? <laughs> nice. But I'm reading through this, and I'm like, whoa. See, this is, this is what it looks like when there is no longer an anchor in the culture. And we've talked about this, where we, and we have said, that the veneer of Christianity is being stripped away in the culture around us. And that is ultimately a good thing. Here's why it's a good thing. This is what you get. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm pointing at my screen that nobody else can see me do. But you get <clears throat> to me. You get all of this stuff. Now you're going, but I don't want all this stuff. And listen, I don't want all of this stuff either. Right. But you know what? I'd rather live in a world where the enemy is able to openly declare himself so I can go, oh, look, 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 enemy. Where I can point to my children and say, this is how not to live. This is what not to follow. There is no, there's less insidiousness of it because it's no longer sneaking into your children. It's, it, we made this joke before. Why doesn't Satan run around in like a red leotard with horns and a pitchfork and try to stab people? See, you're laughing right now. 
Because you would like, why doesn't Satan just pop up in people's bedrooms and try to make? Because you would recognize and and say, nope. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why is? Why is there no devil in Daniel Webster? Why doesn't he ever actually go down to Georgia and try to have a duel with Johnny? Because you'd see him at the bar and be like, "That's Beelzebul, and I want no part of this." Right. You would know. I can't remember who the comedian is, but it's 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 perfectly apropos. The greatest trick the devil has ever accomplished is convincing the world that he doesn't, doesn't exist. Exist, right? So because of that. You're not paying attention to the evil. But wait, 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 wait. That's them. Christian, that should not be you. That's why we should be We should be ready in season and out of season to yes. preach the word. And we should not be looking for reasons to, quote, unquote, meet people where they're at and let them stay in their pajamas and not bring them the gospel. Every opportunity that we can. I mean, come on, people. To quote King Jimmy, thus saith the Lord. Yeah. And this is why, again, now, this is where the veneer being ripped away is good, is because their horns and pitchforks are showing mm-hmm. your righteousness should be able to shine just as brightly. I mean, here's the thing. If I put you in a dark room <clears throat> and I give you a light, you know, it's a good one, you know, it's one of those nice LEDs and it's not going out anytime soon, you know, it's one of those, you know, it's got 27,000 years of life in it. So I give you the light. You can now see in the room, correct? Okay. Can I make the room dark enough that the light won't work? Not unless you're in a black hole. I don't think so. No. As long as that light shines, yeah. doesn't matter how dark the room is. Right. So think of it think of it like a building. So I put you in a room and it's dark and I give you the light. Right. Now if I go to the next room over and I turn the lights off in that room, does your room get darker? No. If I go to the room after that and turn the lights off, does the room get darker? Yeah. No. If I try to make it blacker <clears throat> outside, does the room get any darker? Right. No, because the light shines. This is you in the world. They're trying to make it darker. Right. Right. But they see, can't. when the light shines, what do they do? They flee from it yes. because they don't want anything to do with it. Now, why are we not having more influence, you may ask yourself? I, well, I tell you what. I, I've been thinking about this, too, and, and I think— I mean, God God has already told us that in, in the times that we're in right now, that you're going to see things that you should you wouldn't normally think would, would fly. And I think this relates to what we talked about last week. Right. Because and, what was the argument we were making last week? You're not going to have victory over the culture because what ends up happening? Because we're such a small minority. Let, so think about it like so think about it like your high school. Mm-hmm. Everybody remember your high school because everybody's high school was shaped differently. But at the end of the day, pretty much all high schools are about the same. Mm-hmm. Now think of your world as the rooms in your high school. And it's the middle of the night, on the night of a lunar eclipse, and it's cloudy out, okay? The only light that's shining is yours. Now, if you walk into a room, is there light in that room? Yes. Yes. Now, what happens when you walk out of that room and walk into the next room and shine the light? What happens to the room you were in? It gets dark. It gets dark again. Now, what ends up happening in culture, Christian, is think about how many rooms there were in your high school. You got like 18 people, okay? What can't you do? You can't light up. You every can't room. light up every room. Man, you can't right? light up everything. Yeah. There's going to be areas. In I was going to say, well, how many rooms are in this place? But Picture your high school. Yeah, yeah. How many rooms are in your high school? Yeah, more than eighteen, right? I, but you, you came from a small town, though. Yeah, you? but I even had more rooms than that. Did you? Okay. So, doesn't matter how many. Doesn't matter how many rooms you had. You had too many for you to light up everything. And even if you had, even if you're like, well, dude, though, we had eighteen rooms. That's great. You all go into your room and light up the room. What happened to the hallway? Yeah, it got dark. But we open the doors of the classroom, so there's light shining in the hallway. Yeah, but what happens in between the two doors? Right. There's right. always going to be these areas of the world simply because you don't own 
all of it. Not until Jesus comes back. Right. And and I think you said something about we're not we're not going to have victory. That, that's true. It is God who is going to have the victory and in when, the end. And then that at the end. Right. And that's what we always and have we to remember. we just have to persevere. So do you want to see, though, why? Go back to our school analogy. Why is the school really big and the number of people carrying lights really small? You want to know why? Go back to the story that's on my tablet. Okay. Okay. Let's see it. Let's hear it. Christmas is considered by most Christians to be the second most significant religious holiday of the year behind Easter. And I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could make an argument for Pentecost, but, you know, it's, it's solidly number two, and it should be. But most Protestants do not attend church services on Christmas Day when it falls on a weekday. And I have no problem with that. I, I genuinely have no problem with that. Traditionally, especially in evangelical churches, the big Christmas time service is Christmas Eve. You can get people to come out for Christmas Eve service. It's a lot harder on Christmas Day, and that's cultural. Yeah, and I'm sure. okay with that as well. I mean, I talked about this a little bit on Sunday. If your answer is, I understand that Christmas is a Christian holiday, but at the same token, if I do something on Christmas Eve with my church and then my church does not gather for a special service on Christmas Day, I get it. Case in point would be, um, this is the first church I've ever been a part of where we do a Good Friday service. Okay. Why? Good Friday is a Friday evening. Most churches aren't having special Friday evening services unless you're Catholic. That's a a typical thing. But I enjoy having it. Do I sit there and look askance at people that don't come to the Good Friday service? No. I don't view that as part of your regular church attendance. I like when people come. I enjoy it. I hope they enjoy the service. We try to put something together good for them. But at the same token, when I talk about the regular gathering of the saints in our church, that is when? Sunday. Sunday morning. Yeah. That's when you're expected to be here. And if you're not here for a couple weeks in a row, we start worrying about you. Mm-hmm. We assume something bad has happened to you. Right. We'll send so, some search party out. So when Christmas <laughs> falls on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. that's how I think about it. So okay. there you go. Cards on the table. Um, I just lost my place. Yeah, but most Protestants don't do not attend church services yeah, yeah. on Christmas if Day. If everyone from the pews to the pulpit would rather stay home, what is pract- what is a practical house of worship to do? This year, some Protestant ter- churches are deciding to skip Sunday services completely. See, now I have a problem. Why? What's the regular gathering of your church? Uh, it's that day. Now, if your regular gathering of your church is Thursday, for whatever reason, your community, you can rent the building, whatever it is, so you meet for church on Thursday. Right. I get it that you didn't gather for church on Sunday when Christmas was on Sunday this year because you don't normally gather for church on Sunday. But what, hang on, let's see, next year it'll be Monday, so 2023 it'll be Monday, that's this year, 24 will be Wednesday. But in 2025, when Christmas is on Thursday, you know what you should do on Christmas? You should have worship service because that's a regular gathering of your body. You should not forsake the assembling of the saints, Hebrews 10, because the cultural holiday has interfered with your worship service. That is a backwards way of viewing the sacred and secular divide was that intentional when you said it was a cultural holiday the way most people observe christmas is a cultural holiday i would agree i I, i'm fully honest with that so yeah i would agree my thing is i don't so cards on the table so you can agree or disagree okay there is nothing inherently sinful about participating in a cultural ritual that is in and of itself not inherently sinful. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and it's not inherently sinful. Yeah. So yeah. when I view Christmas the way most people celebrate it, mm-hmm. you cut down the tree, you put it in the living room, you string it with lights, you give presents to the kids, and everybody stays home from work and gets fat that day. 
Lots of cookies. I'm and, serious. And tamales. Yeah, you, you, you have I make big ziti, your family makes tamales. Yeah. You know, everybody's got their cultural things that they do for Christmas. Mm-hmm. That is not a religious gathering. That's a cultural gathering. If you want to have that. I think it depends on. It can. Yeah. For, I mean, if, if, okay, here's, here's, here's my, here's my opinion. If, if you are a believer in Christ and you get together on that day and you're trying to remember the reason for the season, air quotes, um, it's a religious, it's not a cultural. Um, if the only time you bring a tree in the house is during this season, it's, in my opinion, part of a religious observance. Some of my fondest memories, I'm going to tell you right now, are going out into the field and cutting that tree down and bringing it at home. My dad and I, we went out. He had a CB. We were talking to truckers, <laughs> trying to find the best place, uh-huh. the biggest tree. And we always had to cut that tree down a little bit more because we got the biggest stupid tree in the, in the farm, you know. And, and it was my favorite time. I, I don't I don't I don't do that anymore. Um, I try to observe the birth of our Lord a little bit differently, but I, I I've come to understand and appreciate other people's views on it, and so I'm not so in their face about it because I it's that that tradition is so much later than than the actual event. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's so much later. So there's lots of cultural aspects to the way we celebrate it. Mm-hmm. However, I think there are still even, um, there are religious reasons why we do it. There's a religious basis to the reason why we do it. But for the most part, the holiday is cultural in the way it is observed in the country. Well, and, and well, I agree. I agree. All right. So... <laughs> Pastor Michael has really touched on on something for me, but anyway, I mean, my point is this: is as time goes on, people often forget where things come from. Oh yeah, and so we don't want to do that, and that's why it's super important to preach the gospel and to preach from the beginning of a book to the end of a book, so that people can can see what happened, they can remember what God did through all of time. And not make the same mistakes that certain people made when they f- stumbled and fumbled and, and did things that weren't, weren't pleasing to him. And see, my thing is, and I have no issues with any of that. Right. I agree. My thing is when I look at the way Christmas is celebrated, mm-hmm. it's a cultural observance for 95% of the population. I would agree with that. Even the religious ones. It is a cultural observance. We may try to concoct a story as to what the tree means or why we give the gifts. And to, At the end of the day, why are you giving your kids presents on Christmas? Because it's what you do for, right. most, for most people. If I'm not talking to you, then guess what? I'm not talking to you. Right. But be honest, why did your neighbor do it? Why does your neighbor have Rudolph in his yard? Right. It's cultural. I mean, it's what cultural. does Rudolph so, have to do with anything? Agreed. Now, and I say that as someone whose wife has those stupid wired reindeer in my living room because she doesn't like putting them outside because they get messed up. I love my wife too. She she found them <laughs> on the side of the road. Okay. Someone threw them away because the lights had gone bad so she pulled all the lights off. Mm-hmm. Picks them up. And then she like spray painted them and she's got like one of them wired to like my deck and then the other one is like in the living room and I'm like, why? Can I shoot them? <laughs> I could see you sneaking around the house. So every once in a while I like put a Nerf dart through and be like, got it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Stop shooting my reindeer. <laughs> Funny. 
What happens when that cultural observance collides with your normal, expected, routine, sacred observance of worship on Sundays? I think we should, no matter what, we should come together and study Agreed. the Word of God. Why aren't they? You ready? It, Here's your reasons. Listen, yep. listen, listen, listen to these it. reasons. All right. Let's <clears throat> Six years ago, the last time Christmas fell on a Sunday, practically no one showed up for services at Stonebridge, as Chitwood said. Mm-hmm. Christmas morning and Sunday morning are sort of in tension with each other, said Timothy Beale, a professor of religious studies at Case Western Reserve University. Nice. Most people who are churchgoers think of Christmas morning not as a religious time, but as a family time. Stockings and brunches and staying in your pajamas until midday or later. And you know what? That description of Christmas is absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I think he's absolutely right on that description. Yep. The problem is what just happened. So we had church. Nobody showed up. So what are we going to do this time? We're not going to have church. We're going to cancel it. Yeah. Who wins? The world wins. Mm-hmm. Why are they taking – why did they go from we just want marriage, we just want the freedom to marry who we want and have sex with who we want and live how we want – to now we have to perform like this in front of your children, to now we have to defend the history of our actions as not sexual in nature but as artistic, to why do we need to have people like this praying in your churches, to we need to lock you up when we don't say anything. The reason they're doing that is because what's the history of our cultural engagement? They push and we go, oh, I'm sorry, and we take a step back. And they push and we say, oh, I'm sorry, and we take a step back. So when you do that long enough, Eventually, the devil takes off the mask, and he starts stabbing you with a pitchfork and saying, what? Now what? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. We're just going to keep pushing until you do what? And this is where the – this is the genesis. This is why these these attitudes and these things are related to each yeah, other because they – I just heard an analogy very similar They come to together. Where you just don't recognize how far you've been pushed – off of the line and when you look around mm-hmm. after so many times of doing that you really can't even recognize your religious establishment anymore or what the values that brought you to that church you don't even recognize the church anymore here's what it looks like you ready this year more protestant churches seem to be making the decision to simply opt out Although a clear majority will meet in some form on Christmas Day, fewer will do so than 2016. In 2016, 89% of Protestant pastors said they were holding services. This year, it is only 84%. Um, I did the math the other day. I think it's 2033 is the next time Christmas will be on a Sunday. I, I So whoever wants to be in charge of this, write this down. You ready? By then, that 84% will be in the low 70s at best. At best. Right. Another decade of cultural push of assimilation no 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 no, no. they're done for they're done for well part of the problem is is they've they've gotten control of our educational institutions for our children and they're promoting and prompting up every debased everything that you could possibly be against therefore and the families aren't doing what they're supposed to by teaching their children to follow God and giving them the reasons why we do what we do, not just, well, this is just what we do. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about evaluating. Right. Not in your ignorance, but right. the redeemed you thinking through the world. Be so, sober-minded, like you said. This is your pop quiz. How do you think about the world? How do you view the things of the world? How do you deal with the collision of the sacred and the secular? Now, here's the best part. I'm not grading your quiz. You are. Because you have to answer for yourself before the throne, not me. Well, I have to answer myself, but I'm not answering for you. I don't even know who you are. (laughs) 
unless you tell me. So there you go. But be encouraged that you have been empowered, you have been guided, you have been instructed, and you know what is right. Therefore, you can evaluate, you can think through things. You can draw lines, take sides, and evaluate, and know that your evaluation is good and right in the sight of God because he has empowered you to do it. To fail to do that is actually the bigger problem. To fail to do that is to abdicate your responsibility as a Christian and to surrender to the world around you rather than to engage in the war that you are supposed to be fighting. That becomes the place that our battle is fought each and every day. So pay attention. If you look at the world and go, man, what are they going to come up with next? Give them a minute. It's going to be bad though. But your light will shine and you will know the truth. So what have we learned here today, children? Let's see. God determines worship. Agreed? He does. He does. All right. You are called away from the world. That's a good one. And you must evaluate your life very, very, very carefully. So we will get back to regular function hopefully next week. I think I'm done with pop quizzes and I'm done with trying to do 27 stories at a time. But all of those things kind of cascaded all at the same time in the middle of December. And I'm like, they're all related, but there's no way to cover them individually, but they're all too good to leave alone. So I figured this would be a happy way to think through them. So Christian, evaluate your world, think carefully, and know what the truth is. And until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye.